is she Madam Secretary Clinton? You mean like on Twitter? I mean, you know, what is her oh, title? Oh, when we call her? <laughs> what um, is her title? What was her title when she was running for office? Right, Madam Secretary. I guess that is it. Doesn't that sound really weird? Yeah. Well, you got to know if it's a boy secretary or a girl secretary. It's true. Because Stalin was a boy secretary, so he didn't get Madam. He got Secretary Bro, Stalin. Was he really secretary? I mean, you're the communist. Yeah, he was the he was the secretary of the Politburo. Oh my gosh. He was a pencil pushing bureaucrat. He was an administrator. Yeah. He was the administrative assistant. He was like he worked at like the bursar's office of the Communist Party. These are the things that we we should record, but Well, I am recording. Oh, yeah? Mhm. You're ready. You're ready. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for Hillary. <laughs> Welcome to the Katie Halper show. Don't forget to come to our live taping Monday, September 18th at the Brooklyn Commons at 388 Atlantic Avenue at 7 p.m. We'll be following our live taping with karaoke. Our guest will be Jabari Brisport, who's running for city council in Brooklyn's 35th district, and Khader Elyatim, who ran for city council in Brooklyn's 43rd district. And he didn't win the primary, but he came really close to beating the Democratic machine. He is a Palestinian-born Lutheran pastor, Arab-American socialist. What's not to love? 7 p.m. at Brooklyn Commons at 388 Atlantic Avenue, September 18th. Welcome to the Katie Halper Show. I'm your host, Katie Halper, and I'm always joined by... Gabe Pacheco. Uh, I myself identify as the feminist Bernie bro and Gabe Pacheco. I'm I'm, uh, predominantly a, a dude bro, I think, on the spectrum of bros. A du- a, probably a Chicano dude, bro. Let's. F- I don't know what the new term is that uh, we've we've chosen to adopt, but uh, Lat- Latinx seems to be the most cutting edge way to put it. So you're Latinx, bro. Latinx dude, bro. Yes. Such a great show for you guys today. We're talking about what happened. Hillary Clinton's new book, and our guests are Thomas Frank, the author of Listen Liberal or Whatever Happened to the Party of the People. He has a review up of what happened at the Guardian called Hillary Clinton's book has a clear message. Don't blame me. Then we talked to Nomiki Konst, an investigative reporter at the Young Turks and a Sanders appointee to the Democratic Unity Reform Commission. So there are two things happening this week that we're really excited about. One, Bernie Sanders is introducing Medicare for all, which means that uh, we are one uh, step closer to updating the united states so it's caught up with every other industrialized nation in the world you're talking and like sweden you're talking i'm talking like sweden holland. You're talking i'm talking like holland france i'm talking france i'm talking united kingdom okay i'm talking germany i'm talking everywhere basically right where to one extent or another people are guaranteed health care right and uh this is where people always say oh but you have to wait on lines they're rations and you know what you know what we're gonna do gabe we're gonna send them to an expert this should be a segment Send him to an expert. Yeah, can't go they... talk to Adam Gaffney. That's the man, Adam Gaffney. If you want, if you want to hear about healthcare and how it should be universal, Adam Gaffney is the voice of reason. Two very exciting things. We got Medicare for all, right? And this is kind of a great metaphor. We got Bernie Sanders introducing Medicare for all, but what does Hillary Clinton do? She, she has her own contribution to wh- make. What is she? What does she bring to the table? If this is Stone Soup, where the village, and and every different member of the village is bringing. Uh, an ingredient to help make a delicious soup for all of the United States to consume. 
Yes. What soup is for it? all? Yeah. What? What? <laughs> for the socialized soup uh, kitchen oh my that God. we're going to have? The That's soup amazing. Lines? Socialized soup for the soul? For the atheist soul? I don't know. Yeah. For the soup lines? Yeah. For the secular soul. For the secular soul, yeah. So uh, what, what is she bringing to the table? Hillary is bringing um, entertainment in the form of a, a book. That's what she's bringing. So we got, if you want to, if you want to be healthy and live, Bernie Sanders is your man. If you want to read self-congratulating um, quasi-fiction, Hillary Clinton's your woman. Of course, that Hillary just came out with her book, and it's called What Happened, which uh, is also a great throwback to a great line in the Christopher Guest film, uh, <laughs> A Mighty Wind. Hey, what happened? As you know, back in 1970, I started on a series called What Happened? And every time something would go wrong, I would look at the camera and say, Hey, what happened? <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that and a lot of other catchphrases. I got a real red wagon. And uh, I can't do my work. And I believe I was the first one to use the phrase, I don't think so. But it only lasted a year. And that's good because that's how you establish a cult. Uh, like Bernie's doing right now. He, his message was for the entire United States of America. And she really couched her message as being for uh, true believers in the Democratic Party. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I'm with her was the perfect slogan, right? Because it didn't really reach out to people who weren't already there. That's right. Yeah, I, I yeah. thought it would be cool to just go through some of the best things that she said in her book. So one of the first things that was leaked, actually, about the book was a passage that I thought was really interesting. I don't know if you saw it. I'll, let me just read it. Okay, ready? Jake Sullivan, my top policy advisor, told me it reminded him of a scene from the 1998 movie There's Something About Mary. A deranged hitchhiker says he's come up with a brilliant plan. Instead of the famous eight-minute abs exercise routine, he's going to market seven-minute abs. It's the same, just quicker. You heard of this thing, the eight-minute abs? Yeah, sure, eight-minute abs. Yeah, the uh, exercise video. Uh -huh. Yeah, well, this is going to blow that right out of the water. Listen to this. Seven minute abs. Right. Yes. I, okay. All right. I see where you're going. Then the driver, played by Ben Stiller, says, Well, why not six minute abs? Right. That's, that's good. That's good. Unless, of course, somebody comes up with uh, six minute abs, then you're in trouble, huh? That's what it was like in policy debates with Bernie. We would propose a bold infrastructure investment plan or an ambitious new apprenticeship program for young people. And then Bernie would announce basically the same thing, but bigger. On issue after issue, it was like he kept proposing four-minute abs or no-minute abs, magic abs. Okay, I'm overdoing her Midwestern accent, but whatever. Someone sent me a Facebook post that summed up the dynamic in which we were caught. And here's the, the Facebook meme thing, right? whatever, right? Bernie, I think America should get a pony. Hillary. How will you pay for the pony? Where will the pony come from? How will you get Congress to agree to the pony? Bernie, Hillary thinks America doesn't deserve a pony. Hillary, actually, I love ponies. Bernie, <laughs> Bernie supporters, she changed the position on ponies. Hashtag which Hillary, which Hillary, you know, spelled W-H-I-C-H and W-I-T-C-H. Thank you uh, for having me here on the stage tonight with Madam Secretary Clinton. And uh, she is offering to... Um, expand health care um, with more options with the uh, with industries and what I'm offering though is ponies I'm offering oh. ponies uh, to all of my Bernie bros 
who love ponies, all my bronies out there. And by the way, did you see my pony video? Because she did inspire me to make a pony video. The great song by Genuine. But I do really like that song, by the way. Do you know that song? Oh, it's great. It's a great song. Genuine it's just walks into a bar, and it's filled with a bunch of uh, white old cowboys. Country western dude. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It, he really broke, I think he broke the color line there. I've never seen a video that progressive. Me neither. And I, I really, actually, I kind of wanted to put Bernie's face on his body, but then that would have been like white face or like black body, and we, we don't do Black that body, Jew you know, face, you can't do that. Oh, my God. Black body, Jew face, you can't go wrong. I like oh that. Oh my god! Yeah. Wait, what is it called? Clear art. What is it? Clear clear eyes. Uh, clear eyes, open heart. Can't lose. <laughs> Do face black bodies. Can't lose. All right. Like I, I just still can't get over that she's comparing him to a serial killer character. It could be worse though, because Ben Ben Stiller's the Jew, and she doesn't compare him to the Jew character. What do you think of though about her comparing uh, Bernie Sanders to a deranged hitchhiker character in a Farley Brothers movie? Dude, if there is a character out of a horror movie in this, it is her. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. honestly, and I'm not saying that Hillary is a monster. That's not what I'm no, saying. But what I am say saying that. is that I, uh, today I felt like uh, I was getting a, a trailer for uh, the reanimator part three or part four. Because why is she coming back? Why is she mm. coming out of this political grave that she's in? Uh, she didn't speak up during the women's march. She didn't um, even show up to it. Yeah, she didn't show up during that. She has been quiet. She's been in the woods, and instead of coming forward and pushing for progressive policies, uh, like Bernie's doing right now, um, she's coming out of hiding to sell a book. Right. And uh, and I I don't know. I mean I I look. It could be fake news. It could be real news. But are are there two thousand dollar tickets to? to come see hillary at, at book signings is that is that what's happening i mean i maybe there are and we're and if there are we should find out and uh i wonder what that money's going to but you, you know what gabe i think it's really interesting that people you know we make fun of ourselves sometimes as not being like you know 100 percent reporting and being a lot of uh kibitzing kind of i literally i don't report anything yeah, you. In fact, you own that so hard, it's almost become a nervous tick. Uh, it's almost Tourette's-like because you literally say, if people want to know that, they should go to Wikipedia. Wikipedia would be a great place to check out, blah blah blah. And if you want to learn more about that, go to Wikipedia. I could just do a whole mashup montage of of, of you declaim, like kind of yeah. owning, uh, not knowing stuff. But, I mean, my my opinions just come from uh, listening to Delete Your Account podcast, yeah. uh, Chapo Trap House. Sometimes uh, somebody. Fight. Yeah, street fights. Somebody sometimes people share uh, New York Times articles on my Facebook page, and I'll right. click on them every tenth time because I only get like uh, five, nine articles for free uh, right, right, before right, right, I have right. to get my own subscription. And right. I wish the Washington Post gave some more free <laughs> free yeah, articles. Yeah, no, they're stingy. They're but I just stingy. yeah. I, look, Facebook is where I get my news. And here's the thing about Facebook: uh, Hillary has complained about Russia. Um, the uh, Democrats have complained about Russia collusion. I get it, but uh, Mark Zuckerberg, excuse me, but Mark Zuckerberg uh, sold Russia uh, all sorts of uh, ad time and gave them free reign mm -hmm. to uh, spread disinformation on Facebook. So if anybody should be charged with the Alien Sedition Act, it should be Mark Zuckerberg. 
Yes, I like it. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. You know what's really funny, Gabe? People Great. are just learning this, right? Even though, like I was saying, we, we mock ourselves for not being authorities. We are authorities. Because you know what we know about that the media didn't know about until like yesterday? That Hillary said she wanted to send back children who were here who had crossed the border, who had come theoretically illegally. What about right now, as we're seeing these oh. thousands of children come across, oh, shunted off into makeshift shelters? It's horrible. Hard choice. Let them stay in the United States or send them back? Well, two quick points. One, the numbers are increasing dramatically. And the main reason I believe why that's happening is that the violence in certain of those Central American countries is increasing dramatically. And there is not sufficient law enforcement or will on the part of the governments of those countries to try to deal with this exponential increase in violence, drug trafficking, the drug cartels, and many children are fleeing from that violence. Should they be able to stay here? It's well, safer. It, it may be safer, but that's not the answer. I do not. So should they be sent back? They, well, first of all, we have to provide the best emergency care we can provide. We have children five and six years old who have come up from Central America. We need to do more to provide border security in so southern Mexico. They should be sent back now. Well, they should be sent back as soon as it can be determined who responsible adults and their families are, because there are concerns about whether all of them can be sent back. But I think all of them who can be should be reunited with their families. And just as Vice President Biden is arguing today in Central America, we've got to do more. I started this when I was secretary to deal with the violence in this region, to deal with border security. But we have to send a clear message. Just because your child gets across the border, that doesn't mean the child gets to stay. So we don't want to send a message that is contrary to uh, our laws or will encourage more children to make that dangerous journey. 100%. Those six-year-old children had uh, free will. They had yeah. uh, complete and total accountability for all of their yeah. actions. And they're not playing by the game that they were by the born. Rules. Yeah. There, there's, there are rules to the game, and those rules to the game are part of a social contract that everyone has implicitly signed exactly. around the world. Yes, they know. All, they've read Rousseau or John Locke. They've read all of it. Every one of these children knew the rules, and they knew the, uh, the stakes that they were playing exactly. by. Exactly, when they, when they chose to be born in Guatemala. That's right. That's right. So, uh, so you know what? Uh, you guys get ready to get sent back because because you broke the rules. Right. And because every <laughs> you had she had to send them a message. She literally said that, right? She wanted to send them a message. Somehow nobody knew that. You know. You know what? Except what, for the left. Yeah. Sometimes you learn a lesson. If you get caught yeah. smoking a cigarette, you're seven. You're eight years old. You know what? A good, responsible father or mother, they throw you into a closet and make you smoke a whole pack of unfiltered cigarettes right. to learn Tough your luck. lesson. Right. Exactly. So you cross the border it's... in a papoose or in a <laughs> yeah. stroller. Right. Or maybe you're smuggled in luggage. Right. Uh, or by... you go on your own. These are these are the ones who go on their own. They're, they're the real go-getters. Okay. So, so you show the initiative to yeah. walk across a thousand-mile desert border right. and you're by yourself. You better believe it. Because you, you, br <laughs> you break the rules. And you brought you got, this on yourself. Yeah, you get a one-way ticket back, Buster Brown, and, and that's <laughs> it. And I hope you learned your lesson. Yeah, back to the frying pan, back to the, the, the Central American violence that uh, I helped create. The femicide. The Don't you the forget femicide. the word femicide. I know, femicide capital. Hillary Clinton, shout out to Hillary Clinton for 
uh, enabling the coup government in Honduras, uh, refusing to do anything seriously to challenge it, uh, urging other countries to recognize its legitimacy, and then lying about it. Shout out. RIP, Rest in Power, uh, Berta Cáceres, an organiz uh, labor, indigenous rights, and environmental organizer who literally predicted and outlined how destructive Hillary Clinton was for Honduras and then was killed under the government that Hillary helped bring in. Um, now, another thing that Hillary does is she blames basically everyone but herself, right? In fact, we should do a cover of that song. Blame it on the meh, blame it on the na -na, blame it on the meh. Well, blame it on okay. The na -na. So, I, I mean, I had the wind taken out of my sails for the first time during uh, Bush Gore. Mm. And we saw that Gore won the popular, uh, uh, popular vote and uh, the Electoral College gave it to Bush. Mm -hmm. So right there, you know, the Democrats uh, saw that happen and they didn't fight to, um, to have that rectified. Right. And then what are we, um, you know, uh, 15, 16 years later? Right. Even later than that. Uh, and, and <laughs> what if you know, eight I don't know. Times yeah, whatever. Why don't you Wikipedia? Go to Wikipedia. Exactly, yeah. Uh, you, you know, we're decades uh, past that, and still the Democrats have not uh, decided to change the system by right. which we choose our leaders. Right. They, yeah, it's true. Yeah. She won. She won the popular, popular vote. Popular vote, right. So uh, nobody stole it from her other than the broken the system. College, right. And it, she could be an advocate for that. Yes. Moving forward. Right. And also, you know, she could have gone to Wisconsin. I'm just going to I'm just going to put it out there. But right. She also said another point. She said, I'm proud to be a Democrat and I wish Bernie were, too. Then she called Bernie Sanders policy proposals little more than a pipe dream. Jeff Stein at Vox pointed this out before. But, you know, Hillary Clinton is saying both that Bernie Sanders just copied her ideas. Uh, and made them slightly bolder and that copy they were paste. the same. Copy, copy and paste, paste, right? With a little copy bit paste. more seasoning. With seasoning, yes. Copy paste paprika. But she's also saying that he had totally unrealistic proposals. So which is it? Right. They can't both be true. Yeah, what do you think? Um, I think the truth is she knows and every one of her defenders knows that she was indeed less progressive than he is. And I think it's an embarrassing rewriting of history to pretend that they were equally progressive. So l let's get back to the let's idea of like yeah. the, de the Democratic Party. And uh, I, I mean, I, uh, I was raised in a house uh, uh, that was all Democrats. And I love um, having grown up in that. But honestly, I think of myself as an American citizen before I think of myself as allied to a party for life. Mm. And over time, we've seen the Democrats um, lose certain demographics. Who cares what the party is? What's right. more important are the policies. And right. I, I could care less that Bernie wasn't a, de a lifelong Democrat. <sighs> I know. And, it's uh, such a weird thing that they think that that's an insult, right? It's I mean, a weird, like, yeah. It's a weird badge of honor to to uh, to also then say that you're loyal to a party over uh, all of the United States and all of the American people. Right. Especially I mean, because that's one of the main things people hate is is like partisanship and party loyalty. Yeah. So she she is uh, one aspect of like our polarized um, political system. Right. Exactly. Now. Right. And and and, and simply by staking that claim and being like Democrats over everything. Is, right. That is the problem. Well, let uh, me also remind you, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hack, a, a hack loyal to a party, I, and I put party affiliation over, over policy. Okay. Yes. Next. 
<laughs> right? What else? Yeah. I mean, what else can we Also, yeah. this other guy is not a hack. Yes. Uh You know what it's time to do now? Time to talk to Thomas Frank. And who is Thomas Frank? Well, Thomas Frank is the author of Listen Liberal or Whatever Happened to the Party of the People. He is a review up of what happened at The Guardian called Hillary Clinton's book has a clear message. Don't blame me. My original idea was to compare Hillary Clinton's book and uh, William Jennings Bryan's book after losing in 1896. What's it called? The first battle? First battle. Because he ran three times. You know, it was a crusade. He was also very young. He was 39. Yeah. Spring chicken. <laughs> the first time around. And so Bryan's book is filled with this kind of... Uh, there's no narrative to it. It's just all these campaign speeches thrown together uh, between covers. And uh, some of them are hilarious. The way people used to talk, political speech back then was just so, this incredible rotomontade, right? They were just like, blah, 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 blah. These really, really, really roundabout way of saying things. And everything was always uh, superlative. Everything was always on the line for all times. You know, the greatest comparisons. <laughs> and um, what fascinated me about it, though, was that Brian really had a cause, a cause with a capital C, free silver. Mm, and, Wizard of Oz. And, yeah. And, and, and right? but also, also, I mean, there's some great quotes in this. Um, oh, my God. Are you going to spend this interview with you reading me, Brian, uh, William Jennings Bryan's yes. quotes instead of Hillary's? Here's what he, this is. This is one of his speeches from the year before. I don't know, 1893 or something. Well, has it been said by the senator from Missouri that we have come to the parting of the ways? Today, the Democratic Party stands. But you're going to like this. Actually. I'm listening. I'm listening. Today, the Democratic Party stands between two great forces, each inviting its support. On the one side stand the uh, the corporate interests of the nation, its moneyed institutions, its aggregations of wealth and capital, imperious, arrogant, compassionless. They demand special legislation, favors, privileges, and immunities. They can subscribe magnificently to campaign funds. They can strike down opposition with their all-pervading influence. And to those who fawn and flatter, they bring ease and plenty. They demand that the Democratic Party shall become their agent to execute their merciless decrees. On the other side, Katie. Mm -hmm. Thomas. The unnumbered throng which gave a name to the Democratic Party and for which it has assumed to speak. Work worn and dust begrimed, they make their sad appeal. They hear of average wealth increased on every side and feel the inequality of its distribution. They see an overproduction of everything desired because of the underproduction of the ability to buy. They cannot pay for loyalty except with their suffrages and can only punish betrayal with their condemnation. Although the ones who most deserve the fostering care of government, their cries for help too often beat in vain against the outer wall, while others less deserving find ready access to legislative halls. Good which, stuff. Huh? Which one was that? Was that Hillary or the other guy? <laughs> that would be a great thing. Who said it? Hillary or, or uh, Brian? Brian? No, yeah. that, would, that would be Brian. Yeah. That would be Brian. That would be an amazing but, but game. The reason, it, the reason it intrigued me, and I, of course, you know, I only had 800 words, so I couldn't, um, I couldn't go into something like that. But uh, the reason it intrigued me is because with Brian, the cause was holy. The cause was holy. And with Hillary, 
the cause is secondary. Mm. Uh, it, it, the book starts with her saying, you know, I wanted to run for president because I thought I'd be good at it. And then coming up with issues. Right. It's like backwards, <laughs> it, right? You know, yeah. It, 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 that's, that's, that's literally how her book. Actually, that's not how her book starts. That's how the narrative of the book starts. It first begins with how she felt after the defeat and the sort of regimen that she went through to um, to get herself back up and, you know, feeling good about life again. And there, self-care, there's of, radical self-care. Imagine what she must feel like in her heart of, in her heart of hearts, she knows that she is ultimately responsible for not defeating Donald Trump when she had every advantage in the world. You know, she has a party that the rank and file is so much bigger than his. Every uh, pollster said that she was in the lead. She outraised him and outspent him two to one. She's got Barack Obama behind her. Trump is hated by his own party. You know, I was at a convention. They didn't even, like, the, the, no other uh, high-ranking Republican would, would show up at his convention. I mean, Mitch McConnell was there and Paul Ryan, but, like, uh, uh, George Bush wasn't there. Neither of the Bushes, you know, no representatives of the Reagan family, you know. Right. Mitt Romney wasn't there. John McCain wasn't there. The only one who showed up was Bob Dole. Who he's knows if he even knew it, that he was there. He's not that with it. I like Bob Dole. He's he's a he's a loyal, you know, he's from Kansas. This is a guy who doesn't even really believe in the Republican, like in the politics of the Republican Party, but he believes in the party. He's very old fashioned. Right. Sounds he like a good, good marriage material. He's <laughs> thick and thin. Anyhow, anyhow, she had every advantage in the world and 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 succeed and managed to lose, and that's uh, that's extraordinary. But you know? do you think she actually? I mean, obviously, on some level, she knows this because I have. The, I feel like Bill Clinton totally knows it. He's angry because he was the one who allegedly he threw his cell phone in anger. He threw his cell phone off of the balcony of his Little Rock mansion uh, because. Hillary's campaign wasn't listening to him and wasn't heeding his warnings that they were neglecting the white working class in at least fair, in their campaigning. Fair, fair enough, but you know, I, I think Hillary Clinton is a smart person and probably a decent person at the end of the day. One of the biggest problems that Hillary has, if you ask me, she is absolutely what do you how would you put it, hamstrung by her uh reverence for Bill Clinton and for what he did in the 90s. And she, I mean, she basically, like, he is the greatest president um, and, you know, or, or more or less. And she, you know, she talks about all, all the wonderful achievements of his administration, which obviously she had a hand in. And um, for her to win the white working class would have required a number of, of, of you know, uh, she would have had to break with his legacy in all sorts of ways. Like when Obama says he could have won a third term, I think he's he's right, but I don't even think it has to do with policies as much as it has to do with that he's how good he is as a campaigner and how he convinces people that he feels their pain. Oh yeah, people people love that people love that man, Barack Obama. Oh yes, very so. I I get the sense I have this this image in my head, but of Hillary and, and Bill, Bill very angry at Hillary for not doing what he told her to do vis-a-vis -vis the white working class. And Hillary just saying, like, no, I'm a victim, and it was the uh, basket of deplorables and the misogyny and racism. Well, look, so in this book, yeah. you and I have talked about this. Hillary's uh, supporters, her most sort of uh, 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 committed supporters, will basically say and do anything to right. deny the sort of narrative about the white working class. Hillary doesn't do that. She acknowledges it. Now, 
you you have to wade through a lot of crap to get there. The book is 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 it's all the usual suspects. The Russians, it's James Comey. The other party that she blames, and this was a little bit of a surprise to me, was the media. And the, the, the grounds on which she blames them, because you, you and I look at the media and it's like, wow, these people love Hillary Clinton. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, she blames them because they covered uh, the, the, the email scandal as though it was legitimate. Right. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, it was a real story. That's right. That was a news story. That's not, that's not media bias. That was a real news story. They're so entitled. She thinks that that was totally unfair of them to do. It's, it's, it's funny that, uh, you know, the, that Hillary goes after the media so hard because, or that she, she blames the media, but her blame all rests on like certain studies that she's seen that say like, you know, the media did, uh, spent so much time on the emails, you know, right. There's no actual. It's it's like there's there's no actual substance to it. Nothing you can sink your teeth into. Like she doesn't give you anything where you can say, "Geez, yeah, that's really unfair." Right. What there's they, no like controlled experiment, un- right? With like other people's email scandals. And it's not even that unfair. It's like the guy was asking her about her emails, and she was like, <laughs> "Right, how dare you? How dare you? You're putting me on the spot." And that was it. I think that's it. I think that's her only example. But she has dozens of examples of the media agreeing with her. Right. Dozens. But then she's like, and they were so uh, unfair. Right, right, right. She uses so, them to back her up that she's right. But then, yeah. What, yeah she, she's right about Comey. I mean, Comey did uh, yeah. that really. Why did he do that, Comey? I don't understand I don't, it. No, I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, uh, she doesn't take any revenge against Huma. And it was technically Huma's fault. Oh, my God. Poor Huma. Anthony, Anthony Weiner's fault. Oh, my God. Weiner. Is that you trying to be nice? Refusing to, to go low when they go low, you go high? You're not saying Weiner? <laughs> Oh, I thought that was his no, name. No, it's Wiener. Oh, it's W I E N. I'm not even like. Uh, it's definitely I pronounced Wiener. I thought it was. Now, oh, what do I know? And uh, so those are her her big three villains: the Russians, James Comey, the media. Now she goes after Bernie Sanders, but she doesn't really blame him for costing her the election. But she does. Uh, she has more than one chapter uh, attacking him criticizing him and i thought this was really the low point of the book because it's so un ungracious you know there's a guy this guy uh campaigned for her worked his butt off yeah yes and he cast the deciding you know they had that whole rigmarole at the convention where he cast the the votes that put her over the top and you know all that stuff he he didn't do the ralph nader he played you know at all right he played the game you know uh and uh and and for her to do that i thought was churlish uh, and um, for her to go after him again and again and again, and also the grounds on which she goes after him are so ridiculous, like that he was aping her, you know, that he was mimicking her issues. No, it wasn't that at all. And she as good as admits that it wasn't. And then the other thing is the idea that he is this kind of silly idealist. The same thing that the Washington Post was saying, by the way, that he's a silly idealist and she is very realistic. But she's not realistic. There's all sorts of ways where she's just in a fantasy world. Like her understanding of history is just complete fantasy. You know, where Bill Clinton is this great guy who did all these wonderful things and she can't acknowledge what NAFTA did. She can't. She, you know, she brushes off uh, what the welfare, the welfare reform did. She does acknowledge it. She talks about it. Remember, it used to be the Clinton's proudest moment, welfare reform. And now it's now it's this terrible, they're, they're embarrassed by it, you know. But she does talk about it, but she tries to wiggle out of it. You well, know? it also makes no sense, right? Because the following two things cannot both be true at the same time. You can't say that 
Bernie Sanders is a pipe dream, uh, uh, delusional, radical, and that he just copied your ideas. If you're the realist pragmatist, the guy copying you can't be the delusional um, yeah. guy yeah. dealing in fa the fantasy world. It's one or the other. Yeah. Thank you, Hillary, because now I get to relitigate the primary and people can no longer tell me to stop relitigating it because that's what they're doing. If they like Hillary Clinton, that's what she's doing. Why would she make fun of Bernie like that? I and mean, what is the point of that? The man did all this stuff. Or it, and only... he's now doing single payer. He's pushing for all these great things. And oh, if she comes out against him, what is she coming out as? I know it, it only reflects poorly on her. It, it, you know, it's to, to, to keep that going and to, to, to keep trying to, you know, push it to, to right. crack him down or break him down or smack him down or whatever you want to call it. I don't it. know which is worse. The, when, I, when she pretends that they are the same thing, like she does when she says that he aped her policies or whatever, or when she vilifies him. And she kind of yeah. manages to do both at the same time, which makes no sense. Like you can't, if you were trying to get his popularity to rub off on you and present yourself as kind of the trailblazer in all the things that he's clearly was the trailblazer in, but let's pretend you are, then you don't bash him, right? Like she's, she's it's kind of self-destructive what she's doing. No, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The only context in which it makes sense is that she's trying to set up for the war within the Democratic Party. Right. And that was Thomas Frank author of What's the Matter with Kansas, and more recently, Listen Liberal. He has a review up of what happened at The Guardian called Hillary Clinton's book has a clear message, don't blame me. And to hear the rest of our interview with Thomas Frank, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. We talk a lot more about what happened, plus Thomas reads some great lines from the book that will probably make you laugh and cry. And Thomas Frank just mentioned the war in the Democratic Party. Now, do we have the perfect guest to bring on next? Nomiki Konst is a Sanders appointee to the Democratic Unity Reform Commission. She's also an investigative reporter at the Young Turks. Nomiki, she's Greek, by the way. So Gabe, she and Gabe have thing. that in common, yeah. There's a whole thing. They there. may be related. We're gonna do a DNA. Greeks test. love democracy. Oh yeah, they do. They founded it. They founded it. We're talking to Nomiki Kans. She, by the way, was smeared a couple weeks ago for being a straight white man because she had the nerve <laughs> to criticize some policy and record-based stuff, not personal tax, about Kamala Harris. No racist stuff, no sexist stuff, but she did have some concerns about. Kamala Harris is accepting of funds from Stephen Munchen. So Nomaki is one of the women who really bears the brunt of attacks from not only the right, which we really expect, but from people who call themselves liberals, call themselves the left, and actually engage in the very misogyny, racism, erasure, and invisibilizing all these terms that they like to use as they pretend to be allies and woke. And they do those exact same things to women and people of color, for, ranging from Nomi to Nina Turner, because the mm -hmm. question is not whether or not they are committed to anti-racism or feminism or social justice or equality. The question is whether or not the person is politically useful or politically threatening. And if they are politically useful and uh, ideological allies, then of course, people ranging from Neera Tandon to, uh, to any other Hillary Clinton partisan um, praise them, emphasize the importance of their 
gender and their race and how much diversity they bring. And of course, if they don't like them because they have politics that are to the to the left of Attila the Hun, um, <laughs> then all of a sudden we are just uh, we're either just horrible people, or you know we get things like being you know be, being called a cam girl. I got called a Russian prostitute the other day. Any you oh, get that's it? Fun. Yeah, you get any good ones? Uh, yeah, I mean, I get them all the time. Yeah. I think my favorite are the ones that come, you know, you're always going to have trolls online. Um, my favorite are the ones who come from people who have MSNBC shows like Joy Reid's, right. who uh, are managing $60 million think tank budgets like Neera Tandon, because I think that they have a responsibility and a duty to be more professional. Um, and the funny thing is, is that you know, I don't manage a $60 million budget and I don't have an MSNBC show, but I do have a responsibility as somebody with a megaphone, albeit a much smaller megaphone, um, to criticize and to question based on policy. And when you're not questioning and you're not arguing on policy, you know, and you're getting, uh, you're calling names and you're throwing out red herrings, you know, anybody who's taken a, a logic 101 class in college knows that means your argument's weak. And so, I think I think a lot of this right now is is the effect of them losing control and knowing that they don't have a lot. Like I saw this little article, you may have seen it. Someone tweeted it to me and I started cracking up and it was like the hundred yeah. most influential people on Twitter. And every single one of them was like a from from very well-known people, famous people, like who okay, I get it. Like Neera Tandon is one of those people. Um I get it. Marcos Melitzis, you know, started the Daily Coast. I don't agree with him, you know. But he has, like, influence. Sure. But some of these folks, I mean, the first thing, are all Uber Hillary tweeters. But what people don't understand is that during the campaign, and this is what I like to pull back the curtain on, which is, I think, what gets them really angry. During the campaign, there were mechanisms in place. They had literally super PACs. And, and, I, and you know, the whole, I don't know if you remember the, the whole million-dollar uh, million troll thing. I uncovered that and I, I tipped that off some pulling back the curtain myself. I found that because I was part of, um, I was still on Hillary's, uh, ready for Hillary's super PAC list, email list. Oh, I didn't know this. So yes, let's step back and tell us this. Yeah. Yeah. So they sent out this email saying we're investing a million dollars in conquering the Bernie left. So I screenshot it and I sent it to three reporters and they were like, are you kidding me? And so they, they published it. Are you kidding um, and me? And that's how that whole story. Wait, nope, are you talking about, uh, correct the record? Or something uh, no, else. it wasn't Correct the Record at the time. It was Ready for Hillary. But Correct the Record was affiliated with it. And so that's when the Media Matters, the head of Media Matters at that time, who still tweets me online, got very angry at me. And we went on a CNN segment, and, and I called out his finances. Brad Woodhouse, no Mickey cost. Brad, you're part of Correct the Record. Correct the Record receives money from a super PAC. Correct the Record then gives money to the DNC. The DNC then gives money to the general fund. We know how this works. It's called a flow of money. Yeah, we're trying to win the an campaign. election to Mickey. We're we trying are to beat too. the Republicans. And I, well, what you, you know what? It's not the cool kids table. This is a competitive primary. This is you a competitive know. primary. Hang on a second, Brad. When you start acting like the Democratic Party establishment is the cool kids table, and you ignore the fact that 80% of the Democrats who've been voting in this election under the age of 50 are supporting the Bernie Sanders movement. Democrats need to bring them in. But the party is playing politics right now, is dirty. It might be legal, but it is dirty. You know, this is, it's so funny because now it's all exposed, but in the heat of the primary, no one was talking about, hey, like, I, I you know, it's really hard to take you seriously when you're funneling money from 
Ready for Hillary, which should be closed, to correct the record, shares a an office with Media Matters, which is funneling money into the DNC. You know, I really wanted to address the issue at the heart of the issue here, which is this is all a mechanism of design. So these people were, many of them are being organized in, um, they're on listservs still from the campaign, they're on Reddit pages. We noticed in the last two to three months since the super PAC started again, um, there was a pattern. So like, if I say something, I remember uh, it was during the Unity Reform Commission, I said something about primaries, which by the way, people on the commission didn't find controversial at all. I said it, someone tweeted it out who was watching the commission, and then it arrived on a Reddit page, and I started getting slammed as a racist, and that's when Joy Reid started to go after me again. And so it's like, you say something, and Nina, when Nina says something, Tulsi said something. Nina Turner, Tulsi Gabbard, just clarifying. Right. And so they'll, um, they'll flash a flag, and it's like all of them start repeating the same message. And so I was literally getting hundreds of the same exact tweets. So that's when you're like saying to yourself, okay, like you guys are organized, they're using a strategy that has been repeated over and over and over again. And like, which is if you repeat something over and over and over again, it's true, yeah, right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I mean, in, in messaging, from my perspective, what I always, I, when I used to do messaging training for folks, I would always say um, the greatest way to, to, to break through that kind of strategy is don't give people attention when they don't need it if they're not powerful, right? Number one. But also, if they are of, of power, you want to call them out on their strategies because it disarms them. They have no idea what to do. Oh, you just called. And then they'll distract and they'll say, you're not being very unifying. And it's like, I'm sorry, you just called me alt-left. But then you get into this bickering war. And so it's, it's hard when you get into the bickering war. And so when you focus on issues, you know, I, I try to kind of jump back and forth. I hate to give away my own strategy, but I think it's important for all of us to jump back and forth and, and understand when to, to fight back, when to pick a battle. Is it significant enough? Um, or is it just going to add more fire? Hi, you're calling the other side all left. Right. So this is why, as long as they're funded, you have to attack their funding source. You know, most of their donors are, are you know, I think they're well-intentioned and they believed in Hillary for different reasons. But a lot of them are, are disconnected. They're not on Twitter. They're not noticing the nuances of the fight. And so unless we are able to get this conversation on TV or in mainstream press, they're going to continue to be funded. Well, well, I'm specifically talking about donors. You know, I used okay. to do fundraising and I know how you talk to these people. They're not, some might be more engaged, but well, let's just be real. The Bernie people, whether you're a 50 year old or a 20 year old are far more active. It is why you could have 50,000 followers, a hundred thousand followers that are so active compared to Joy Reid's 2 million, where maybe like 10% are active. Active, you mean online or active in the real world? No, 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 I mean, mean, and in the real world. Our folks, the the progressives, are a more activated base. Working people, whether you're white or black, did not turn out for Hillary Clinton. And so you want to win back working people of all demographics, you've got to talk about the economy. And so when she, you know, her supporters are not, unless they're like the Kool-Aid drinking sycophants who, frankly, I think a lot are on payroll still, and, and their identities, literally their identities were attached to Hillary Clinton. You know, they, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's mind blowing to me that like, I mean, Peter Dow, Peter Dow, oh my God. Dow is one of the founders of Hillary Men, who, yeah. yeah and a, Cher Blue. And Cher Blue, yeah. So a propagandist, part of the David right. Brock 
uh, PR smear empire. I'm sorry. Can we just start saying these things? Yes. And all these, I think the ones that, you know, I'm particularly concerned with, um, you know, the other ones I think that are pay to play, I mean, they're all pay to play, but it's like, they're minimal pay to play. Like these are folks who, you know, they can reverse their positions sure. overnight for Twitter fame or right. whatever promise they think they're getting out of this. There's, there's been a few, uh, people who have been offered jobs after the Hillary campaign who've said, no, I'm not going to name names, um, to stay involved in the movement. And it's, it's quite What do you mean the movement? Sorry. I'm, uh, the, the Bernie movement. So there's, oh, there's a lot of people. folks who they want to bring to their side right. so they can say, and they were doing this during the campaign as well. Um, so they can say like, you know, everyone control them um, and control the narrative coming out of their mouth and also use their their reputations and their like Bernie right, you know, names to vote of exactly to like say that we're unifying or whatever. Um, it doesn't work and it hasn't worked and none of this stuff has worked. I do think there's um, the economic part of this is really important. So important. So important. Yeah. History repeats itself. You know, what we're seeing here is when you have massive income inequality as, as we have right now, the worst it's been since the great depression, since the economy collapsed in the late twenties. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why we had Brexit and, um, and this has been duplicated. And anytime we have massive income inequality like this, which has really only happened a couple of times, but like to this level, you see a rise of, of fascism, um, and, and fascist strategies, because what they do is they try to tap into a base of, of folks that are hurting economically and um and usually they're less educated and they tap into those people and it's because of economic insecurity right discontent, discontent. right and upheaval right. a sense of upheaval absolutely and you see the same with the left so it's populism when you have vast income inequality you have pseudo populism you see fascism yes. that is guising itself as populism but that's you know everybody kind of knows what's going on now and then you have actual populism economic populism progressive populism and and, and like, you know, they didn't, it wasn't called neoliberalism in 1928 and 27, but there were robber barons and, mm. you know, you, you've been here before. And Those they, are the pseudo ones you're talking about. Yes. We're, the neoliberals, the robber barons, right. Right. So, and the people who, who support them, the baking industry. And so you see this, when the, when the, when the rich are getting disproportionately rich, rich and the middle class is, is shrinking and poverty is soaring. And in, in our situation, you have a generation that is incredibly in debt and doesn't have options and so they feel activated, but they're also the most educated generations. The education now is, you know, this generation, this millennial generation is the largest generation in history and they're the most educated generation in history. And not to mention you have technology. So things are moving at a faster pace. People are getting called out faster. People feel empowered. So Bernie Sanders can become the most popular politician. Um, the, Henry Wallace was the Bernie Sanders of, of FDR's years. Henry Wallace was his vice president. And then he ousted Henry Wallace because Henry Wallace was more popular um, and back then, the Democratic Party was controlled, you know, in backroom deals. Now it still is, but there's this illusion of democracy, which is, you know, we all know the real deal now. So, you know, during the campaign, during Hillary's campaign, if, if anybody read Shattered, that book about the campaign, there was this mention, and it was kind of in a comical way, that, that Hillary's staff was mocking Bill Clinton, who just was obsessed with Brexit. And he kept saying over and over, I'm a, you know, we're going to have a Brexit factor. And no one was taking him seriously. And this is the arrogance of her staffers who frankly are responsible for the 1100 seats lost in the Democratic Party and should be taken seriously because they're failing up and don't have any real skills. 
But let's put that aside. Bill Clinton, say what you will about him. Yeah. He's incredibly intelligent. Yeah. And he might be disconnected from our base, but he was aware that there was something happening. And he kept mentioning Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. And so what you're seeing is this fascist rise, which is essentially the Marine Le Pen situation in France, which thank God is, is gone, you know, not ideal, but you know, at least Marine Le Pen, Le Pen is gone. Um, you know, Brexit and 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 with it the popular the, the the left populist movement. So what I want to make really clear is that the alt right it is dangerous and they are empowered and they feel enabled and Donald Trump is literally their you know makes these extremists feel like they're they're controlling the world which they are. And one killed someone Heather Hare who when he mowed down uh, protesters. Exactly, Heather Hare and the alt right is empowered, vocal, angry. There is a sharp increase. But let's not forget that Donald Trump played a divide and conquer politics game in the Republican Party. There were 17 people running for office. He did not win the majority of the Republican Party. That's one of the reasons why the Republican Party wanted to focus on, on their version of identity politics, because they wanted to appeal to Latinos, because they knew that their, their party was shrinking. Right. Now, on our side, you have the opposite. The minority in our party is the neoliberal centrists. We have we are growing um, the, the the and I'm not even gonna say the, the base of the Democratic Party because it is the Democratic Party. I'm I'm you know when they say we're when they say words like alt left, they want to make it sound like progressives are the minority. Right. When eight out of ten Democrats identify as progressives, mm. which is one more than last year, which was wow, seven out of ten. And now Bernie Sanders has an approval rating of 80% in the Democratic Party. They're trying to marginalize what you're saying is yes. actually not marginal. And you're saying that unlike the alt-right, which is scary, which needs to be discussed, which needs to be responded to. And growing. Needs to, and growing. And, they, and, of course, the way to smash them is by these progressive policies, not by middle-of-the-road moderate stuff, which doesn't speak to them. But we'll, or, or it's not that we're converting them back. It's that we're preventing more people from going there. And that we have to have another discussion about. But that's right. how you and smash it, their appeal, I think, and stop them yes. from growing. You, you smash their appeal by having solutions. And right yes. now, the neoliberal strategy has really only provided – I mean, listen, uh, Barack Obama and I went on TV, and I, I, I defended Barack Obama, President Obama, when we talked about the economy. I did this for two, three years. I said, the economy is doing better. I would go on Fox Business and Fox News and CNN, and I'd you know, debate Republicans, and they'd be attacking the economy and how Barack Obama, Obama has raised taxes and blah, blah, blah. And I would say, the economy is doing better than ever. But the real story was, no, Wall Street's doing better than ever. The economy you know, is you have to ask yourself, well, what economy are we talking about? Are we talking about Wall Street economy, which is the neoliberal 1% economy? Or are we talking about the middle class? The middle class, okay. Young people. Uh-huh. I mean, it, we're, we have, our poverty level is extraordinarily high. So I think we need to start calling the neoliberals out for what they are. They have a common goal with the Republicans and even the fascist Republicans. Their common goal is to keep the status quo 1%. This extreme capitalism, one side is blatantly racist and the other side codes its racism in woke capitalism. And I know that is incredibly controversial, but capitalism is based on imperialism and imperialism is social design 
which keeps people of color down. So next time somebody says to you that you're a Bernie bro and you're racist, you say, I'm sorry, where are the economic policies of extreme capitalism that are really helping out people of color and women of color? Right. Because by design in our country, it was, you know, slavery was imperialism. Because it's also a domestic thing. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, we, we have imperialism. You don't think that, that NAFTA is a form of imperialism? Sure, right. When we started bringing in slave labor. You know, there's this ridiculous narrative that we see someone like Amani Gandhi having where she's like, I prioritize the uteruses of American women over refugees. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing quote. <sighs> I prioritize my uteri and the uteri of women in this country over drones and you will f deal. She apologized. Nomi, do you know why she apologized? This is like the best alt-woke thing. I'm just calling it alt-woke. I love that. Oh my God, she that's apologized. Awesome. That's awesome. Isn't that good? I started a hashtag for it. I'll send it to you. We got it. it. You got to spread it. She apologized for saying that because it should have said uteri of people in this country. I'm still working. I'm being trans-inclusive. My apologies. Some of you self-styled commies need to look up the word prioritize. It doesn't mean I don't care about drone strikes, you ninnies. Christ. And it doesn't mean I'm pro-war imperialism. Are you all seriously this stupid you can't be i'm permitted to prioritize and focus my activism on my priorities just as you are so off with your self-righteous bullshit. and before the accusations of red baiting come flying in my grandparents were actual communists my grandpa lost his job as a teacher <gasps> in the philadelphia school district because he couldn't name he wouldn't name names they were communist jews my mom grew up poor because of it my grandpa's case wins the supreme court that's how much he cared well, then you know what your grandfather would be mortified to see yes. you compare like who brought up Drones versus uteri. As if there had been a proposal to like repatriate refugees into women's uteri or people's uteri. Right, I was just gonna say. False dichotomy. And that actually, that's actually a really good point because they pit these groups oh, against totally. each other. And they say it's white privilege to care about drones. I wish I had the privilege of caring about drones, but as a black woman in America, I can't. I mean, that's, I'm paraphrasing, but I've seen stuff like that. And then they call people who are Middle Eastern um, or Arab American who are saying stuff about the Middle East or Arabs here or abroad, they are anti-black racists because they know they can't call them racists and they know they can't really push back on the idea that it's racist to drone yeah. people, so they just try to pretend that yeah. it's... And that's that's what they're trying to do. I mean, one thing I've noticed on this Unity Reform Commission, which you know is public, so it's not like I'm you know sharing any inner secrets of the Reform Commission, is that we have these conversations like, should we protect ethnics or should we protect the CBC? And it's like, we're all fighting for scraps. Right. When the DNC is literally lining the pockets, the majority of the budget, which is not transparent, but you can reverse, you know, I sort of reverse engineered. I spent like, you know, a month doing it. And it's still not completely accurate because it's not transparent. So the majority of the money, the donor money, by the way, is going to like four consultants. So you see this ecosystem. This is literally based on greed. So these influencers, the Nira Tandons at Center for American Progress, are raising millions, 60, 70, 80 million dollars. You know, you have Media Matters. They're empires. And they're, they've built these political, professional political empires where they're buying off everybody from an all the way up to, you know, to an And they're doing it in the name of, um, and congressmen and certain groups. Um, and they're doing the name of, we will make sure that you get donors. We will make sure uh, that you'll be taken care of. You'll, you will have a job with us. And some of them believe what they're selling and some of them don't even. And they're, what they do is they're saying, who's more important? The African-Americans who show up and vote and work for us every single time 
I'm sorry, black people are incredibly important to the Democratic Party, and no one's saying that they're not, and they shouldn't be prioritized. So are Latinas and right. Latinos. So are um, so are women's rights, right. and so you know, and, and so are ethnic groups. And they're by the pitting way. them like, against each other. You're saying. And they're putting pitting them against each other for a, a tiny bit of money. And the rest of it is going to these consultants. Individuals. Now, what do you mean, who may be women and, and people of color, but certainly we're talking about a handful of people, right? We're not talking about the people, yeah. right? And this is what they do, what they're so good at. They take one person who's representative, then they say that we're, you know, who, who, is, who is, let's say, of color, a woman, then we're critical of that person because they are a person who has terrible politics or is doing terrible things, and then we are attacking them. It's apparently. mascot. Yeah, it's totally mascotting. But wait, when you say they 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 pit, you say who do we help? The CBC, as in Congressional Black Caucus, or ethnics? What do they mean by ethnics? Non-black ethnic people? So yeah, the the Democratic Party used to invest in ethnic communities, which, by the way, like that was the base, you know, in, in the early days. What does that mean, ethnic communities? Ethnic That's... communities. So like, you know, for instance, I'm I'm going to speak about Greeks in particular. Greeks used to be overwhelmingly democratic. Hi, Michael Dukakis was our presidential yeah. nominee, right? Like Greeks turned out- As Jewy as you can get, but still- <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, cause he married. Um, and he just, you know, standing in front of, the, it's adorable, standing in front of yeah. the tank with the little helmet. He just looks like a nice Jewish nebbish, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Kitty would love that. Yeah. <laughs> Hi Kitty, Hi Kitty. <laughs> so, I mean, the Greeks used to turn out overwhelmingly for yeah, Democrats, yeah. for Democrats. My, my grandparents were Democrats. They were FDR Democrats. You know, they came to this country, escaped fascism. And this last election, seven out of 10 Greek Americans in America voted for Donald Trump. Wow. I didn't know that. That's crazy. These are working people. These are right. working people. Right. So you go to places like Chicago, you go to places like Astoria, New York, Bay, you know, Bay Ridge, Staten Island. Um, this is where you find those ethnic communities, but they've, we've ignored the community. Well, first thing, we've ignored the entire map. Like, let's right. just be real here. We've right. ignored the entire map. So when you ignore the entire map and you're not out there investing in Democratic parties from from Des Moines, Iowa, to Astoria, New York, to, you know, to, to Florida, to Texas, it doesn't matter. I mean, you go Chicago, this old style machine politics used to have a function as corrupt as it was. Right. It was at least being invested in. Right, right, And they right. took care of their people. Now it's like all they've learned from that is the machine side and not the taking care of your people side and paying attention to these communities. Right. So they've, the money in the party, because it's not like we're not raising money. We've raised more money than we've ever raised. And they've tried to put out these articles like, we're not raising money. Well, there's a brand issue. But we've raised more money than ever, and it's being distributed <clears throat> Sounds familiar. All the way to the top with all the consultants and none of the state parties and local parties are getting it so they can go out there and engage with communities and different communities. And they, they've depended on mass media, which is extremely expensive, where consultants make billions of dollars instead of going out there and saying, we're going to organize, we're going to talk to people about issues and the issues that matter in their communities, because every community is different. It could be a different economic issue in Buffalo, New York than there is in, in you know, Pittsburgh. Um, so that's that's the issue, and 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 Jim Zogby, uh, who's been you know an executive board member of the DNC, he's great. He's great stories. He has has been involved with the Ethnic Council, of the DNC, for twenty five years, and so he could go into it's way called more the depth Ethnic Council. Mm -hmm. We've seen this before when you have vast income inequality. The worst we're now at the worst point we've been since since the Great Depression. When you see vast income inequality, even on a global level, you see a rise of extreme fascist tendencies. Uh, with that, you know, it's, it's guised in populism. Um, 
there is a populist uprising in this country and globally, uh, especially in areas where this neoliberal politics has, you know, you're not seeing populist uprisings in Indonesia, you're not seeing populist uprisings um, in, in, especially in Southeast Asia, but you're seeing it in countries where neoliberal policies have been reigning for the past 30 years. Um, and, and that's mostly because the 1% has become incredibly, incredibly wealthy. You know, the average CEO's salary has gone up 300 times in the past 10 years, what it was 10 years ago. Um, that's outrageous, you know? So when you see things like that and you hear things like that and people are hurting and they can't support themselves and they can't pay for health insurance, they can't, you know, when they, when they get in a car accident, they go bankrupt for the rest of their lives, they lose their homes, um, they can't pay for their kids' schools, they don't have their retirement, uh, forget vacation, you know, forget about cost of living, they have to move from their communities because they can't afford to live in them anymore. You know, these are the issues that people are facing today. And so when you see a CEO's salary go up that much and you're dealing with this, um, Mira Tandon saying that, you know, near, that, that single payer is, is not a smart strategy while she's literally accepting money from some of the biggest billionaires in the world, you know, people aren't dumb. They have Google. They can figure things out. So um, they can try to divide the left all they want, but the majority of Democrats, majority of Americans want better lives. And they want single payer. And they want Medicare for all. And it is a threat to their business model. Uh, but in the end, you know, those who have more in common are are quite frankly, those, those who are defending the 1%. And all you have to do is say, who's defending the 1% right now? Right. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. And Love there's you. a reason that these people are comparing the left to, as you said, the alt-right, to marginalize the very people and movements yep. that will weaken the alt-right. Quote, unquote, alt-left, which is a right. term, a smear, yep. championed by people who like to call everyone on the real left, alt-left, and Bernie bros. And they now yep. have it on their conscience. Yep. These people who always compare us to being similar to Trump or enabling Trump or overlapping with him. Yep. These people have a shared talking point with Donald Trump. Yep. And you and I know that they've emboldened him much more than any of us could ever do Absolutely. because of what you explained. But now we have the actual talking point. And let's be honest, if he used one of our talking points, they would be out for blood, the neoliberals Without who use the word of the alt-left. So we have to start Without calling them the alt-woke. The alt-woke, and we should, quite frankly, be focusing on the issues. Because the more yeah. we focus on issues, they can't steal our narrative. Thank you so cool. much, Nomiki Khan. You know what, Gabe? Daily News has a nice roundup of, of some of the things that she blames. We don't honestly have time to go through the 17,000 things. Uh, the Daily News whittled it down to 18 things. But let's just pick some of our favorites. Ready? Here's uh, that, one of that them. Is, uh, that's a brutal listicle. 18? All right, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Ready? Bernie Sanders. Uh, and she accuses him of... Uh, attacks that, quote, cause lasting damage. Mm. Yes, mm. yes. Uh, she says that he had to, quote, had to resort to innuendo and impugning my character. Ooh, he resorted to innuendo? Yep. And it was beyond right. frustrating that Bernie acted as if he had a monopoly on political purity. Okay, dude, he never said that. That's a talking point. Stop it. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I don't know what this purity thing is. It's basically a way for people to pretend that having political convictions and ideals and not wanting to send back little children to Honduras makes you a, a purist. Of course, what does she blame? Bernie bros for harassing my supporters online with attacks that were ugly and more than a little sexist. Guess who else? Uh, Green Party candidate Jill Stein, who quote unquote wouldn't be worth mentioning if wow. she hadn't. Helped. I know, right? 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, she wouldn't be worth mentioning, except that there were, quote, more than enough Stein voters to swing the result, just like Ralph Nader did in Florida and New Hampshire. So blaming Jill Stein. Okay, let's see. Which, what else? Sexism and misogyny, obviously. Uh, flagrantly sexist candidate. Um, yes, which she's talking about Who, Trump. He, Jill Trump, Stein? Donald Trump. Oh, got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry, that was number four. It's, it's really hard to keep track, guys. Sorry about that. Number yeah. five, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin and Russian hackers for working to, quote, unquote, influence our election and install a friendly puppet, end quote. Ooh, ready for this? Pre- former President Barack Obama. Wow, Barry? Yeah, yeah Barry O, because he didn't give a... Uh, a national television address about the Russian hacking, Russian hacking. And had he done that, she says, quote unquote, more Americans would have woken up. Right. Also, apparently he told, I didn't know this, he told her to go easy on, on Bernie Sanders. And that made her feel like she was, quote, in a straitjacket, end quote. I wish she had been in a straitjacket. Her basket of deplorable statement. Uh, that's the closest, that's, that's something she actually did herself. That's pretty good. Anthony Weiner, her using a private email service uh, <laughs> server, her using a private for, email server. I forgot about Anthony Weiner. The uh, New York Times for the effect uh, for the reporting on her emails. Okay, here's here's this. This is good. Ready? I have come to terms with the fact that a lot of people, millions and millions of people, decided they just didn't like me. What makes me such a lightning rod for fury? I'm really asking. I'm at a loss. Well, you know, we could do a whole episode on this, actually. Anyway, well, Gabe, uh, you know what I'm really excited about is I'm really excited to see people. You know where we're going to see them. We're going to see you guys Monday, September 18th, at our live taping. So exciting, because we got Jabari Brisport live in the flesh. Why is it important that we have this guy on the show? Because he's running for city council, 35th district. Because he is an open socialist. Because he's been endorsed by the Democratic Socialists of America. Because he's been endorsed by the Black Lives Matter caucus. Because he embraces really great policies. Because he wants to shut down Rikers and he's not waiting. Because he wants to do good things for the environment. Because he's just a, uh, a great guy, handsome guy. And he's a vegan, but don't hold that against him. <laughs> and he's running on the Green Party ticket. That's great. So come out uh, September 18th. Monday, you guys, it's a Monday. Monday, September 18th, 7 p.m., a free show at the Brooklyn Commons, which is 388 Atlantic Avenue, and then we'll be doing karaoke. Gabe, what are you going to sing? You got any songs on your on your uh, playlist that you're thinking about? Pony, we got to sing Pony. I think we're going to do a Pony duet. A Pony duet. Let's also, we should do a, a Hillary theme, actually. We could do Pony, we could do Blame It on the Alcohol. What else? Um, Blame It on the Rain. Uh, Millie Vanilli? Yeah. Yep, my favorite. We'll both be wearing bicycle shorts. (laughs) We should do the whole show as if we were Millie Vanilli. Thanks so much. And follow me on Twitter at Katie Helps. That's letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S. And Gabe? At Gabe, G-A-B-E underscore P-A-C-H-E-C-O. Pacheco. Gabe Gabe underscore Pacheco. Rate and review us on iTunes, guys. Just do it. Just give us that love. Thomas Frank is a political analyst and historian whose books include What's the Matter with Kansas and Listen Liberal or Whatever Happened to the Party of the People. You can learn more about Thomas and follow his work at tcfrank.com. T as in Thomas, C as in Charles, frank.com. And you can find his latest 
piece at The Guardian, which is called Hillary Clinton's book has a clear message, don't blame me. Nomiki Kunst is an investigative journalist at the Young Turks and a Sanders appointee to the Democratic Unity Reform Commission. You can find her on Twitter at Nomiki Kunst. That's N-O-M-I-K-I-K-O-N-S-T. If you like the Katie Helper Show, please consider becoming Patreon supporters for extra bonus content. And you'll hear the rest of our interview with Thomas Frank. That's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show.